Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Hey everybody! It's I feel like I start this the exact same way every time. Hey, hey everybody! Hey everybody! <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus! Hi folks! This is Slayhouse <laughs> Publishing. So you go presents. like real low. <laughs> you go Slayhouse. like real somber. This is Slayhouse Publishing presents Lit Bits. Today we. <laughs> this is not fucking NPR. Um, <laughs> uh, he says with emphasis on the fucking. This is not fucking NPR. <laughs> Although that Terry Gross, yum. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's LARPing day here at the public library. Why are you LARPing as someone who like makes comments about Terry Gross? <laughs> it is LARPing day, though. This this was kind of surprising. Um, I know there's a football game going on. There is. I, I didn't realize that, that there's a football game here, going on. There is, yeah. There's a football. Who's game. playing? Uh, it, it, <laughs> do you really care? Uh, it, since we both work for the university and it's yeah, a university game, I mean, ta- I should ta- know these things. T- town is a mess right now, <laughs> right? Town is a mess. There are LARPers outside, and I wasn't expecting the LARPers. I just come in, and all of a sudden, I see just just bedlam. Yeah. Outside, they're kids with foam core swords beating the shit out of each other. Pretty sure that's a verse in the Book of Revelation. Is it really? Yeah, I think LARPers and you know, in the midst of football games. It rings a rings a bell. Yeah. Rings a bell. St. John called it. We're in the end time. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about, uh, we're you continuing. You still haven't introduced the show, by I, the way. I did. I mean, I did it. <laughs> Two different ways, but I'll do it again. <laughs> For those of you who aren't aware and just stumbled upon us blindly, this is Slayhouse Publishing presents Lit Bits. As if they just searched their their keyword terms, Slayhouse Lit Bits, and found us. It's like what did Kaylee say? She is like she has to tell it specifically what to like. Yeah, very specifically. Slayhouse Publishing presents Lit Bits podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, that's and, right. And Alexa finally finds it or whatever. So, yeah. so what I'm hearing is that the introduction is really redundant. We just yeah. don't need it at all. Yeah, I mean, take a look at today's introduction. I mean, we're now five minutes in, and and it's like we're we still haven't barely introduced the show. I'm Jeremy, and with me as always is Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are continuing our summer of Universal Horror Monsters with looking by uh, with not with looking with by looking. I at, feel like we've we're past summer at this point. Like we're we're rapidly approaching fall. We are meteorological. We're, we're doing meteor- a. Se- we're just. I, I would call it a series on Universal monster movies. It's the meteorological summer of <laughs> Universal <laughs> horror films because that doesn't happen until late September. Yeah, right. We, um, we haven't hit the the fall equinox yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so today we're looking at the Mummy, and uh, we're back. It's the next film chronologically after Dracula, even though and Frankenstein. Even though I know the last we we took a detour. We we. Dove straight for Frankenstein just yep. because uh, we couldn't not. But you're right. Uh, chronologically speaking, in terms of when these movies were produced, uh, this one was uh, was filmed and uh, distributed. You know, like December 1932. Mm-hmm. 
It has Boris Karloff back in his next role as the mummy, Emotep, or Ardoth Bay. I think I'm saying that right, am I? Ardoth Bay. Ardoth I Bay. think that's right. Yeah. yeah. Ardoth. Um, yeah. I, maybe it was Ardoth Bay. Ardoth Bay. Yeah, but I think it's spelled Ardoth Bay. Yeah. 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 Very does, Star Warsian sounding name. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> a very made-up name. I love that they meet him and they don't ask any questions. I mean, maybe that's more a common name in, in Egypt. I don't really know. It I'm going to uh, fly my ignorance flag over here for a second. But, uh, and yeah, you know he, who else is back in this film? Edward oh, Van yeah. Sloan. Edward Van Sloan. I saw him and I was like, boy, he's playing the same character. <laughs> He's just, this is just Van Helsing part two He's over like, here. I do not know if I can play these different characters. Don't worry, Arda. Don't worry, Edward. It's the same <laughs> it's character. It's the same character. You're going to have a different name, but it's the same. Ca- oh, <laughs> so I just time. play him the same every time. Yes, yes. You every, do, yes. Time. every time. Every time. Every uh, <clears> time. <throat> boy, they really just like really snap those R's yeah. in this movie. It's like every character <laughs> snaps their R's. It's a precursor for Lord pre, Byron. Yeah, for Lord Byron <laughs> in, in 35 or 36 or whatever. Um, boy, howdy. What a James hmm. Well watched this. He's not the director of this film, but he watched this film and he's like, wow, I can do something with those I'm R's. I'm inspired. <laughs> <laughs> um, appa- you know, I, I was kind of reading around some stuff and apparently Universal uh, as a studio was kind of well known for being shit. Uh, in terms of like you know the amenities that they gave to a lot of their actors, so um, many of many of the actors were kind of like, yeah, you take a contract with Universal, you know, you you get it done, but it's really no frills operation, which is surprising <laughs> because they do have some cutting edge technical effects. I think at the time, you know, special yeah. effects. Yeah. Um, and The Mummy is one of those that has some, I, what I think are some pretty good makeup effects, mm-hmm. but but the actual special effects themselves, I think, are pretty lame in this movie. Yeah. The, I was reading, though, the uh, as much as harped on as, as, the, as Boris Karloff spending time in the chair for makeup for Frankenstein, he actually spent even longer in the chair as Art of Bay Emotep. Is that right? Yeah, it was like eight hours. It was the longest Holy time we spent cow. in the makeup chair. Because I know that that uh, when you when they do a lot of the close ups on Boris Karloff in this mm-hmm. movie, he's he's got like some some extra skin on his face. It, yeah. it looks really weird. Like he looks very ethereal mm-hmm. in and and cadaverous in places. Um, even though I don't think that he looks you know nearly as different. Uh, as when he was in the the Frankenstein yep. uh, costume, you know what I what what struck me with this story is because the first thing I always want to think about, and if you look at at, at mummies as they're portrayed, you know, in today's culture, right? There's very little difference between them and say like a zombie, right? They're, yeah, they're they're almost the same. same what, same vibe for sure. Same vibe, but and before this, what I was reading about was that. The mummies in Egyptology were kind of dealt with like this kind of curiosity. They were kind of romanticized because that was the culture. I mean, Britons were in love with Egyptologists. Oh, sure. Kind of the, that culture and, yeah. and very much inspired by the occult and by the, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've talked at length and ad nauseum about the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And, of course, they would have been like all into the occult kind of They were into the occult. Of this. We know some members of the Hermetic Order <laughs> yes. of the Golden Dawn. We, yeah, we do. We know what they're into. 
we're trying to still start the American chapter. Um, <laughs> I remember that. I haven't forgotten, folks. I have not forgotten. I want the hermetic. That, that um, wasn't hermetic. us. That was that's the Slay siblings. Yeah, that was the Slay our, siblings. Our actual members. Like they're, they're, they're the kind actual of pissed members. off about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. What interested me about this about this story, I think, if I I feel like I just got lost from what I was trying to say. Well, I, um, I think it's but, time but, for a short summary. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what I want to touch on before we hit the summary though is that thanks to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's short story, the lot uh, lot two forty nine, uh-huh. and Bram Stoker. Again, we're talking about right. Stoker. Yeah. Um, the Jewel of the Seven Stars, which I feel like the Mummy was directly kind of adapted <laughs> from. That book, it's not the same story, but it's very closely adapted from. The there, there's some. Uh, I, I think there's some resonance. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if it's necessarily an adaptation, uh, so much as it's just like it's vibing. Well, what right? those what those two stories did is they took the mummies out of those kind of peculiar kind of romanticized stories that, uh-huh. that they'd previously been in. And move them directly into horror, and that's what this story yeah. kind of picks up on: is the mummy is horror, and the mummy isn't yeah. just a zombie being reanimated; it is an occult master of magic. It is right, which is a trope, right? Yeah. Like I feel like this definitely dives into the tropes that we see uh, from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and yep. Bram Stoker, right? Yep. Like, like they establish these tropes, and then this film, which is an original screenplay, yeah. Um, really just like dives headfirst into those tropes. So did you want to give us a synopsis? Yeah, okay. So this this short version of the movie, right? Uh, Some dudes are digging around in Egypt trying to find some stuff, and they uncover a mummy that they know as uh, Imhotep. Who is a historical figure, I think. I, you know what? I feel like he was probably a historical like. figure, but it's definitely not the character that yeah. we encounter in the movie. You mean that's not the real Imhotep? Gasp. <gasps> so uh, the, alongside <laughs> in Imhotep, they also find the Scroll of Toth. Yeah. Which uh, was God, the... Sc- that's not a cult sound. It's, it, oh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a cool name. Um, but they use the Scroll of Toth accidentally to resurrect Imhotep. The, As the, one does. Right. The scroll was uh, uh, in, included the incantation that Osiris or Isis used to resurrect Osiris, mm-hmm. right, from uh, Egyptian mythology. And uh, as a result, they bring Imhotep back to life. And Imhotep um, runs off with the Scroll of Toth and reappears later as this dude Artat Bay or Artat Bay? Yeah, I think so. Artat Bay. And this is like ten years later. There's a ten year gap in the movie, I think. Which they don't explain. There's no. there's just like a it's just like a poof and then, you know, transition slide and now we're in a British museum. Yeah. Right? But that's uh, kinda cool too that he existed for like ten years in today's yeah, society. Yeah, he's, he's just kinda doing his own thing, kinda learning <laughs> how things work. So he shows up as Artat Bay. That makes who him more looks, menacing, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, he he looks like uh, a mummy guy, but but also like because he talks and uh, is real kind of weird. Like like people don't believe that he's the same mummy that ran off. He's not emo. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he he takes a really uh, close interest in some additional digs where um, he encounters uh, his his long lost love, who is also mummified. And I forget her name. It's something where, like, it's like, um, uh, see, on, part it, it's of, like Ankinus. On, on, so, 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 in something the, like that. In the remake with Brendan Fraser, they call her Anoxinamun. And. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, on, uh, they, it's they pronounce it like Anoxinamun. 
I think that's what they say. Onksanamen. Yeah, I think you're right. Onksanamen. Is what they call her in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's he's obsessed with resurrecting her from the dead because uh, he was in love with her in his past life. Okay. And uh, and he discovers that he, he believes maybe that her soul is residing in another woman. Yeah. Um, and he begins to seduce this woman uh, to come so she can sacrifice her life and resurrect Aung San Amun. And uh, and uh, she and Imhotep can be reunited together. And guys, which one of us can't really just not, you know, understand where Imhotep is coming from with this? I mean, I think we've all had those lost you know, loves that we think have been resurrected in a in day and woman, age of, of and we start trying virtual to dating, right? Uh, of course, it's it's just like ah man, I wish I could just resurrect an old girlfriend from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier than Tinder. <laughs> How did she end up dead? We'll just not. Talk hey, about we're that. not going to talk about no, that no, no, part. No, no. no, it's an interesting story. So you know, at, at its core, this is a story that uh, that states that it's about love. It's love. It's just about love. It's love, and uh, and spooky love because uh, it's about you know a, a mummy with some maybe some ethical concerns. Yeah, but doesn't the mummy deserve love too? I mean, he he does. He deserves love. I, maybe he does. He is a more sympathetic figure in this movie than I remember from the first time I watched it. Yeah. Because I remember him being kind of crazy, but then it, it's like, well, no, he, he was just really in love with this girl, and he wasn't allowed to love her, and she died, and he tried to resurrect her with black magic, like you do. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, and uh, and so they were like, no, you, it, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to have that knowledge, and they, they imprison him forever. See, that's, that's just not right to me. Um... <laughs> What did I? Let's see. I feel like, oh, shit. okay. <clears throat> Damn, I'm gonna have to. I might have to try and work. You might my have to actually at, actually edit all of that out. Yeah, that might be editing skills time. Um, we'll see how bad they are. Uh, Carl Freud was the director. It was his debut. He was a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. I think he worked on some of the Dracula scenes. Yeah, um, I I would believe that entirely. I mean, this movie really feels like it's it's Dracula Redux. Yeah, and instead of being as strong as Dracula, though. I feel like this is actually kind of a kind of a weaker entry into this series of monster movies. And I say yeah. that because I think thematically it's quite weak. It's the, got I feel like it's got it, some problems too. Yeah, it's got some it, issues. It just doesn't really seem to say anything. And I think that it's aged more poorly in retrospect um in some of the ways that that they treat, you know, Egyptian culture. For sure, and African culture with the Nubian. Mm-hmm. You are right. There's, There's there there are several characters in this movie that are like white characters in blackface. Yeah, and, or or white white actors in blackface, and that's aged really poorly. Let's talk about one thing though that it does pretty progressively. I feel like, which is in most of these films, it's the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. and we kind of get that idea initially. Where the guys come in and rescue her, but then Imhotep like knocks them out, and so it's up to her. Oh, yeah, and she, through her own discovery of who she is, uh-huh. prays to Isis and is able to destroy Toth, the the scroll of Toth and right. defeat Imhotep. Yeah, and so the woman is actually the hero at the end of this. I feel like yeah, that is an interesting point. I could totally see that. 
And because she, uh, so, okay, yeah. so so much I think of this story is really spoiler in, alert for those of you who haven't seen 1932's The Mummy. Ninety years <laughs> old. It's been ninety years. You've had ninety years to watch. You've it. had ninety years to watch this. Folks. You've probably Get seen off your it. Fucking asses. You've probably seen one of the many remakes of this movie. But um, no, I think you're right. Like there is a concern I think about the female agency of this yeah. movie, and, and and the woman. Um, but she has more agency towards the end and at the climactic battle than most women do in these movies. Right. Well, and I think, it too, forgive me, what was her name? It was like Diane or something? Diana? Yeah, Di- something Diane? like that. I don't remember. I should have wrote that down. Donna? Delaney? No, I'm pretty sure it's Diane. Danny? Delaney? I'm pretty sure it's Diane. Diane. I think it's Diane. Donna? Why didn't we write this down? <laughs> I don't. I never write down the names of characters. She's, we know it starts Except with a for D. Emotep. We start. It starts with the. Pretty team. sure it's Diane. We're just gonna. And watch her name be like Louise or something. We're gonna get blasted by, <laughs> by our, you know, our three listeners that are invested in this. We're up to twenty now. <laughs> we're up to twenty. <laughs> we just lost eighteen with this episode. <laughs> right, right. We, yeah. This we, is the one we lose them all. You guys are really phoning this one in. <laughs> Probably. And, well, they phoned this movie in a little bit, I feel. We're only in the fourth like episode of this series, and we're like already phoning it yeah, in. It doesn't a, bode yeah, well mm, for the rest mm, of the series. No, I actually, I actually did have some things to think about. I mean, Diane, I think, in this movie, is, it is con- concerned with her agency a bit. Yeah. Um, and she's gaslit so hard, I yeah. think, by many of the other characters around her. Um, there are some interesting shots that show her in, in just kind of like her weird boredom um, around the, the men <laughs> around her. And, and she, you know, she's kind of there as their ornament. And um, and certainly when Emotep comes after her, you know, he's like not really interested. He he says something like, I love your soul or something like that. And it's like, hey, but how would you even know whose soul <laughs> like what you know, what her soul looks like. You spent like two two seconds with her. The only reason you like her is because of your weird black magic stuff, and because you're convinced that she <laughs> is this uh, reincarnated priestess. And and so he like convinces her. I think I I my reading of this movie is that he gaslights her into believing that you know she's like this priestess or whatever. And so yeah. when when she finally has that confrontation with him, you know she kind of uses that against him and prays to Isis, and then Isis like blasts him with the curse or whatever. And I think that's pretty interesting. But I think um, I was just frustrated the whole movie as you know she's kind of going through this. This weird time, you know, she's she's being like called by the the dark uh, magics that Emotep is is throwing out there, and he just kind of gaslights her into believing what he wants her to believe because he desperately needs her to to sacrifice her to resurrect uh, Anxanamen. Yeah, I never really put this together until we just started talking about this, but this makes me think because my first exposure to the mummy. Well, I think I probably saw this film when I was a kid, but the film that I that I that sticks with me and that I remember is the Brendan Fraser remake. Oh, sure, with yeah, the sequels. And it's also a Hammer remake with uh, yeah, with what's his face, Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know if I've ever seen that one. I don't think I've ever seen it either. It's from the '60s. But the one I think, I mean, the one that resonates with me is the the Brendan Fraser one because that was sure. like a swashbuckling, it's an excellent movie. It was terrific. But they do. I was thinking about that, and the girl in there, her name is Evie, 
And they do the uh-huh. same thing with her because she's right. like a librarian. And every yeah. male in there is like, are you able to go on this trip? Are you able to do and this? And she's constantly having to prove herself. Yeah. She's constantly having to, to kick people in the face and, yeah. and kind of show that she's, you know, she's got more spunk than they believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it does. It pays a better homage to um, this 1932 version more than I realized upon mm. uh, until we got digging into this one. I really think that it's, a, I mean, for my money, it's a superior remake. For oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. But I, I still find this movie to be at least a bit interesting, especially with the mummies, um, you know, kind of love story. Yeah. One of the things that I do think has aged kind of poorly is the way in which Egyptian mythology is kind of turned into cheap parlor tricks for storytelling. Yeah. And a lot of the stories of, uh, uh, you know, from Egyptian mythology that they try to invoke here, I think have been really misrepresented. Oh, yeah. A lot. Um, and, and for kind of cheap trill or, or cheap thrills. I think, too, about just the whole the whole sequencing of the movie taking place in this British museum speaks a lot to um, the, the trouble of colonialism. And, uh. and I think that there's a resistive reading if you'll indulge me, a reading in which we can kind of look at this movie as really what, being hey, Trevor, more about what, what current event has just happened that well, made you think about is, British this colonialism. Is exactly why I'm bringing it up, <laughs> because uh, because the Queen died, <gasps> and um, I have a hard time not. She was so young. <laughs> <laughs> she was taken in the prime of her life. The prime of her life. The prime of her 90s. Uh, We're going to catch a lot of... We just pissed off all the British people. I'm British. My grandmother's going to call up with some angry letters. And you're going to be like, that means you listen, Grandma. Oh, uh, Grandma. <laughs> Thank you for your patronage. It's only $3 on Patreon, Grandma. <laughs> As if my grandmother hasn't done enough for my life. She's got to be a patron, too. Patreon supporter. Your grandma hasn't done anything for my life, so. It's only $3 on Patreon, Grandma. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I got you off topic. I got you off topic. This is so funny. You haven't done anything for my life, Trevor's grandma. Oh. oh man, no. Anyway, so the the, the queen died, um, <laughs> and and everybody in I'm I'm convinced everyone in Ireland just started singing, uh, "Ding dong, the witch is dead," <laughs> <laughs> from Wizard of Oz. Ireland, um, the Caribbean, parts of yeah. Africa, but, India. But I think it's really interesting because with, with her death and the passage of of um, the the royal crown to uh, King Charles the Third now, Chuck, right? Chuck, yeah, King Chuck. Um, there's been a, a, like a question about, you know, like the legacy of British monarchy and especially the legacy of uh, British colonialism, because we are talking about a period of, in time in which this movie was made when we were still, you know, we're still talking about British colonialism, like the, the Britons uh, or the British still had a colonial presence throughout the world. And especially in Africa. Yep. And so um, there's a, 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 a lot of discourse flying around right now about how many um, exhibits have been just stolen, artifacts stolen uh, 
um, from their native lands in order to line the, um, <laughs> you know, line the the museums of uh, of Britain. Hmm. And uh, and so there's there's been calls for like we'll return the stolen you know the artifacts that you stole from um, these these native lands and these native cultures and and so when I look at this movie particularly I think it's really interesting that um, so much of African culture and and especially Egyptian culture is just relegated to this like kind of call it like a, a circus performance you know mm-hmm. or, or 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 a carnival performance it's like oh come look at the freaky african uh people you know come look at these freaky egyptian artifacts isn't it scary that they used to mummify their their uh the remains of their great rulers i mean n- Imagine what would happen if you had like I don't know Abraham Lincoln's fucking corpse sitting over in China or something, right? Like how how people would feel about that. It's really bizarre. So two things that remind me of this. One, when I was a kid, uh, we went to Dallas because there's an Egyptology um, sure exhibit that came through the museum, one of the big museums there. And so I did see some of the mummies and some of the ancient Egyptian. Oh, I've seen and, I've seen plenty of my share too. And that was. That that it was. I felt like it was billed as look at this kind of mystic, kind right. of spooky, exactly. Kind of, you know, this other. There's there's like a weird fetishization. Yeah. I think of um of Egyptian lore and Egyptian culture in this movie, and it's it's just kind of spread out among like in front of us. Like, ooh, they were into spooky magic stuff, yeah. which is very misrepresentative. I think of the spiritual and cultural richness. Yeah. Of this of this culture. Um, and that brings up a, a kind of a resisted reading, like I was kind of saying. I feel like there is one particular kind of performative reading of this movie that is about the dangers of fetishization of, um, you know, cultures that are, are not native to your lands, right? right. Like when, when you and your British colonialists, you know, come out and they they scoop up all of these artifacts without any regard for the culture surrounding you know the the existence of those artifacts without a yeah. regard for the historical um uh you know kind of place or or the the historical context um of these items you know there's there's kind of a danger of um of uh, like creating a kind of symbolic violence Right yep. against uh, the people of that culture, um, and simultaneously, kind of against yourselves. It's right? like in the because it's you, like in the Western films when, like the you know the like I think I was watching one of the. Do you remember the Young Gun movies? And like I don't, I can't say. It, I it was like it had like 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 Emilio Estevez and Christian Slater mm-hmm. and Lou Diamond Phillips and that kind of generation of actors, uh-huh. Kiefer Sutherland, and it was in the old West, but it was all about Billy the Kid, and so there was always you know. Um, there was always like the Native American Indian um, kind of or half Native mm-hmm. American Mexican kind of uh, guy in the right. group with them. Um, and it was Lou Diamond Phillips's character. And there was always a character, a white character in the group that anytime they come across like a Native American graveyard or something, uh-huh. they'd be like, ooh, let's get the trinkets and stuff out of there. And they get into a big <laughs> fight because he's like, you're not touching this. This is culturally yeah. my people's. And right. And yeah, I, I feel like where I'm kind of going with the engendering violence against yourselves is like it because it creates or can create such 
such uh, uh, dissonance between cultures, between yeah. you know groups. When you disrespect someone's uh, heritage and their culture so deeply, uh, you can kind of engender, um, uh, you know, a, a spirit of animosity. Yeah. Um, that 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 you know helps no one. I mean, in many cases, hurts everyone. Right. And, and so I think that this movie, in a, a particular light, can be read as kind of a repudiation of these British uh, colonialist tendencies. Yeah. Now, I do not believe that to be the intended reading of this movie. Probably not. That's and his, I think that historically the, looking back on it. Yeah, I yeah. think the the obvious coding of this movie for me is just like, oh, it's a love story. Yeah. With horror elements. Yeah. And 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 all of the decisions it makes regarding the occult, you know, regarding the the Imhotep uh, character, um, you know, all of that, I I think it's just cheap thrills. Yeah, and, and I I think this is the reason why this movie has aged much more poorly than I remember because I remember loving it when I was a teenager, <laughs> but now when I look back on it, I kind of see like, well, you know, this is pretty problematic. Yeah, that's not going to change the fact that I still love mummies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not going to change the fact that I still love um, incorporating you know occult ideas. Right. Uh, into horror or into film. But I also think that the fact that this movie was so unconcerned with its uh, uh, cultural respect and cultural representation um, really leads me to, to feel much more negatively about it in retrospect um, than, you know, maybe I enjoyed it the, the first, you know, dozen times I watched it. Right. The thing that got me... And and I think it triggered that memory of me being a kid and going to this, you know, mummy exhibit in Dallas. It was it got me thinking about how P.T. Barnum-esque the, you know, science yeah. field can be when they're going on display. Yeah. And so, you know, like we talked about, when you go to visit these these Egyptian, right. you know, kind of uh, showcases, they are they are very kind of ominous in their portrayals and in their structure but that wasn't the only time that that happened to me and it was triggered again when you talked about like sending Abe Lincoln's body to China my wife and I were in Branson several years ago when do you remember the body exhibit Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like, came, like the people who have donated their bodies to science and then yeah. they're, they're misappropriated for the purpose of art. Yes, and they uh, they preserved their bodies. They skinned a lot of them, so you had, like, musculature. Right. But they had the yeah. muscle, like, skeletal remains dressed in, like, right. real-life clothing. All of those yeah. came from China. And, um, That's really interesting. They, we walked through there, and it was that same kind of feeling of, you know, this Barnum-esque, like on display, this circus yeah. kind of, you know, this let's show science for, yeah. for the, you know, the purposes of shock I mean, and the, awe. I think the question really becomes like, what is the appeal? Like what, you know, what, what is, is really the appeal here? I don't necessarily believe that there isn't a room, you know, room for, for studying these artifacts historically. Yeah. And, and talking about them uh, as they, they help us understand the human cultures of our past. I think that that's very valuable as an educational tool. I think the problem that I have with a lot of this stuff is just that because it's removed from its its homeland, you know, and and oftentimes removed through violence. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget how mu- how much slave labor, you know, was was employed in order to get a lot of these um, artifacts and just how much violence was was uh, put to the people 
um, you know, who who uh, held these artifacts, you know, to get them over into a, a, a British Museum of Natural History or whatever. You know, I th- I think that these these are are definite problems, and I think that um, there's no real way to rectify those problems except to return the artifacts back to where they came from, yeah. and then allow you know that country or that culture's um, you know kind of own ambassadors, cultural ambassadors, to determine whether or not they want to tour those uh, those artifacts around. Because yeah. I think there is a way for us to engage with this stuff respectfully. Right. And unfortunately, right now, I think a lot of the discourse is wrapped up in, well, isn't it educational? And it's like, yes, but it's educational and ignoring the context of the violence that enabled you to grab these artifacts in the first place. Right. And I don't find it educational to me when you're not giving me the context of how these things were sourced because I know they're sourced unethically. So I, I, I find that to be an, an interesting wrinkle, yeah. you know, in, in kind of the discussion around this movie. This and I movie, feel like for the, average, for the average citizen, too, walking into these exhibits, they don't have that. I mean, I, I don't feel like they necessarily want to have that question. Oh, no, not necessarily. No, of course. How did this, you know, British or American yeah. museum come across a 3,000-year-old mummy? Well, maybe the mummy yeah. just walked up to him and said, How'd we get this? Like, like here, do you want to exhibit me? You yeah, it's, it's just me? like digging digging around in pyramids, you know? It's like, <laughs> it, it, what happened was a white dude said, Oh, I... <laughs> What's in those? I remember and they cracked them open, you know. <laughs> I remember in elementary school or being about that age, hearing about the curse of King Tut. You know how like everyone oh. who opened the King Tut's tomb was like dead, and hearing like <laughs> it was all like white people and, and Europeans. And I, I mean, knowing I mean I'm white and whatever, and and I'm just like, yeah, but it was his grave. Like, don't they deserve it? Like, if somebody busts into my grave after three thousand years, I'm gonna fucking give him syphilis. Yeah, I I absolutely love um, stories about uh, the Mayan civilization uh, because there it's always like, and then the Mayans. Uh, mysteriously disappeared from the the face of the earth. <laughs> they didn't fucking disappear. You murdered them. You killed them all. Yeah. And you burned down all of their religious buildings. <laughs> the only reason we have the Popol Vuh is because somebody hid it somewhere. It's like the only thing we've got left because you burned everything else. There's no mystery here. It's fucking white people. Yeah. Anyway, this movie is, <laughs> you know, in spite of, of maybe its problems, has been um, incredibly influential. Of course. In, in, in hosting, you know, just a, a, like a whole bunch of uh, derivative media. You know, we've already talked about a couple of the remakes. There was, uh, there was um, the, the 1966 Hammer Films version with Christopher mm-hmm. Lee. There was the, what was it, 97 or... or 99 even. Like it was late a, Yeah, 90s. it was late 90s with Brendan Fraser. Um, Which the, was less horror mummy. and more like swashbuckling like Indiana Jones It's meets, got some, some definite it's horror It's definitely elements, got horror elements in but it, it's, yeah. You're absolutely right. It all, I think it also fits into the pulp, um, kind of like the pulpy swashbuckling uh, movies that that all swarmed like the late '90s, the mid yeah. uh, to late '90s. I mean, we're, there's like the Phantom, there's the Shadow, there's uh, the Mummy, you know, uh, the Rocketeer, like all of these. What I f- consider to be 
very fun movies. I'm not oh, going to yeah. say whether or not they're you know problematic uh, 30 years ma- later because I think some of them are. I don't know. The Rocketeer was you know he's fighting uh, Nazis. Oh no, The Rocketeer is is uh, you can't <laughs> you can't assault that movie for me. Like like it's unassailable. Yeah, I yeah. love that movie. Timothy Dalton is a Nazi. Timothy Dalton is great. I mean, you he's, know, he's such an excellent Nazi. Bruce Casting, Campbell's cast, younger brother, yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence. Yes, casting uh, <laughs> Timothy Dalton as a Nazi, I thought was perfect, especially <laughs> as after his like this came after his run as as, as James a, Bond. Yeah. Even you know, it's like you go from being James Bond. To a fucking Nazi, <laughs> and there's really no difference in some, you know, in some ways. That's like Raul Julia going from Adam's Family to Street Fighter. I mean, right, 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 right. <laughs> Great moves, brilliant moves. I mean, you know, it's. I don't think. I. I think. I think what we haven't. We've kind of beat around the bush with, but we haven't actually given Carl Lamely the credit for is understanding the power of film as it was progressing through the 20th century, because. I, I said earlier in the episode that Arthur Conan Doyle and Bram Stoker were responsible for helping us to bring the mummy from its uh, quaint kind of peculiar kind of originality and, and this kind of romanticized kind of storytelling into the horror genre. And mm-hmm. I feel like Carl Lamely's vision of let's include this creature now in the universal horror films mm-hmm helped solidify that because by this point I think people were going to the films they were you know there were still oh, some yeah. readers out I there mean, but clearly they were going to but movies shifting it to this new medium yeah. you know just yeah. helped bringing solidify the fantastic it. right yeah. to to uh to this new medium yeah I think definitely gave us a lot more visual you know in, inspiration visual representation um for for a lot of of stuff later and shifted our our perspective, our whole yeah. cultural perspective on this. It also, I think, probably inspired uh, one of the funnest movies I think I've ever seen, <laughs> which is Bubba Hotep. Oh yeah, I still need to watch Bubba Hotep. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's 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 wild. Because Bruce Campbell as <laughs> as Elvis. If, if Bruce Campbell is in anything, I just have to watch it. And he plays Elvis. You, I mean, Elvis but why Presley. not? No, it's so fun. It's such a fun movie. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, is that our episode on the Mummy? I think that's our episode on the Mummy. I think we we've we've chewed it over enough. All right, we've masticated. Now we're spitting it out. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to remind everybody that we are still working hard to get the anthology wrapped up. Yeah. By the time this publishes, as of this taping, as of this taping, uh, I I sent out a couple of uh, responses today to to some people. So I mean, like we will have uh, all selections complete. But I don't know by the time they hear this, but but. Probably yeah. not by the time they hear this, but we'll yeah. be getting closer. But but definitely closer. We so. still want to maintain that. I, I still want to try and hit that Halloween date for publication. I think We're on track. I think we can still make it. We're still on track. Um, we've got the radio dramas that we're trying to produce that we will also hopefully we'll get the first one out right around Halloween. Yeah, um, we're striving for it. Telethon's coming. we got Telethon coming up. Um, if everyone would finish recording their lines... I'm not guilty of anything <laughs> over here. Did you go in and record your lines? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Damn it, folks! You got my hopes up. It's a uh, um, there's a lot going on <laughs> in my my neck of the woods. Follow us on social media. We're kind of all over the place on social we media. We're, we um, are. Check out our book trailers. We got some new ones yeah, coming out soon. Book trailers. Um, 
Bad Form. Bad Form is Joe coming Taylor. out. Joe Taylor's book is coming out soon. We've also got uh, another book by Trey Woodfin coming. Uh, that's coming the about um, April of next year, yep. I think. So, uh, so yeah, we've, I mean, and we've got more coming out after that. And, you know, so we're just. We, we, we're, we've got the pedal to the metal yeah. over here. We've got a lot of uh, balls in the air. And uh, I mean, it's an exciting time. If you're, if you're a fan, if you've been with us since the beginning, thank you for your patronage. If you're a new fan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for finding us. And we will see you guys next time.